This is 680 CJOB. Hey there, happy weekend to us all. The deep freeze seems to have lifted for now and we can breathe outside without our lungs seizing up once again. This is a main ingredient. I'm Kevin Bergen and on today's show I welcome Chris Warwick to tell the story of Farmery Brewery. Many of you have heard how they started, maybe went to their restaurant years ago when they owned them, or maybe even know them, but they have done so much that I'm sure you haven't heard it all. Well, here it is. All right, so you're here to talk about Farmery Estates Brewery, but first let's talk a bit about the Warwick family. And how sure. how farm boys end up opening a, a successful restaurant in the city, and how it led to beer, which is it's astounding to me because all I do is talk to restaurants like you know week after week, and even for people that have done it for years, it's a, it's a tough go. So I'm I'm wondering why a restaurant. I'm, I'm wondering if there, was there ideas before a restaurant like you guys needed to make money, right? And you guys did a lot of things to try to make money. So how did the restaurant idea? Yeah, I mean, like going back to literally 2000, well, sorry, 1997. So 1998, oh my God, this is like 20 years later. 20 years has flown, flown by like I know, it's extremely crazy. fast, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, honestly, imagine a day like today, it's like minus 30. Lawrence and I are at the farm. Uh, Hydro has already cut off the power. Uh, the bank has given us the notice. We have to be out of the house, off the farmland within weeks or months you know we didn't know it was just all, all up in the air and literally it's like i uh got a ride into the city uh because my two other brothers were our younger brothers were already going to university of manitoba and they were sharing a one-bedroom apartment on stafford avenue and within you know when it was cold it was pretty much you know no pretty gloomy outside lawrence and i Basically dropped in and said, we're going to be crashing at your apartment. And so the four brothers uh, were staying in this one-bedroom apartment. Uh, Lawrence is on the, the couch with no cushions. He gave me the cushions on the floor and the other guys. And it's like when we were talking about, uh, you know, what was the most important thing? The most important thing was to, you know, to make a living somehow, some way. And, and uh, minimum wage jobs were, were definitely an option. But Lawrence was uh, looking at the newspapers and looking at opportunities somehow, some way, and he found this little restaurant that was closed on Osborne Street. And, um, you know, we, we took a chance to see the landlord, and the rest is kind of history, is that, you know, it just took a lot of luck and a lot of hard work, and and look at what we've accomplished in 20 years. I mean, all four of us brothers are really proud of what we've done, and, and um, yeah, I, yeah, looking back on it, I really don't think that, if we're if it was in any other corner of Winnipeg or any other city, I don't think it would have clicked the way it did on Osborne Street South. A couple of things stand out for me as you speak is one, you know, you guys obviously stick together. There's four brothers and a lot of times when when you're down and out money wise, that can really cause a lot of conflict within relationships of, of, within in a family and and uh, you know, like a married couple, money really kind of can cause a lot of conflicts. But you guys seem to stay together and um you're willing to do whatever it took to to try to make money, to try to make a living, right? So, so sometimes you create your own luck. I think you guys were hard workers already and knew that you just had to find something that was going to click and that's what did it for you guys, right? Yeah, I think I think that's a big part of it. I think it was uh, almost that we saw ourselves, us against against everything else, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, whatever kind of, uh, you know, where the bank calls you up and says, hey, uh, you're late for your payment or the, you know, utility shut this. It's almost like, 
it was an excuse that, that basically that bond that said, okay, well, this, this is affecting our family equally. And it's up to us to kind of face that equally too. And I think that that's, that was probably, you know, looking back on it, that was probably a lot of the glue that, that kind of tied us together because we were all focused on the, the common goal, which was to overcome, you know, the peril, right? I mean, it was, it was like, uh, we don't have anything to eat and we're going to work together to make something. And we're, instead of us, you know, going off on our separate ways and really having the same challenge, it would be easier for us to go and kind of go down that path together. Okay. So you guys opened the restaurant first day of the restaurant. What's that like? Did any of you have restaurant experience? <laughs> the first day of the restaurant was like, honestly, um, it was a, like, just to even get to that point was, was like, you know, threading uh, many, many needles, mm-hmm. uh, born a few thousand dollars from my uncle, going to get a government guaranteed loan that uh, other brother had to go to some seminar, you know, to get approval and, and stuff like that. It's just, it's just, and like making a deal with the landlord mm-hmm. to take uh, some of the rent on, on uh, you know, over the next couple of years. I mean, all this stuff. But you know, when we actually fired up the pizza oven, and we made our rolled our first dough. We made some a pepperoni pizza with cheese, and it came out. It was just like I, it would. It wouldn't matter if it was burnt or half cooked. We <laughs> ate it, and it was like the best thing ever. Because you know, it was just like here's the tool, here's the 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 helping hand at the end of your own arm, and all we really had to do is just make it, and then let the public know that we had something to sell. Or to offer, right? Yeah, no, that's that's awesome, man. <laughs> <laughs> At any point during that process, did either you guys or anybody outside question, like, maybe this is the wrong move? You know what I mean? Because again, opening a restaurant and all the things you got to shuck and jive to try to get that thing open, were you thinking maybe we shouldn't do this? Um, I think that um, I think we surrounded ourselves with a lot of people that basically said, you know, what, why not? But I guarantee that there was probably you know quite a few people in the neighborhood. And, uh, well, maybe not a lot, but, you know, people that we knew that basically kind of, you, know, you, you kind of judged how far you went into detail with your vision. Right. Because you knew that, you know, it really, really wasn't resonating the way you wanted it to. So you kind of just kept it short and, you know, people had their opinions. But I, but we kind of took that all as fuel because it was, again, us against everyone that either said it couldn't happen or basically, you know, other kind of perils that kind of would hold you back. And right. I think it was really about pr- not not proving it to ourselves that we can do it because we knew that we could do it if we had the opportunity. And I think that it was about us maybe kind of reaching that, that goal or that climbing that mountain to kind of prove to everyone that even had a shred of doubt that we couldn't do it. And, you know, that, that believe it or not, that kind of <laughs> gives you kind of some stamina and some endurance, you know. For sure. No, and I can imagine when you... When you run into somebody and like, hey, Chris, what are you up to? Within the first few sentences of you saying what you're doing, you know whether or not (laughs) they they, they think you're going to be close tomorrow or you're actually going to succeed, right? Exactly. And you know what? That's taught us um, a tremendous amount when we're talking to young entrepreneurs, people that are have the same kind of of excitement in their voice about trying something new, even if it's going to school, trying to, you know, getting uh, an education in a different field or or trying a new sport. I mean, it's just kind of given us an, a way of looking at things that basically say you are, you know, you can empower yourself to do any goal that you set your mind to. And that, that you know, we're, we're kind of testament to that. You have the power to do anything you set your mind to. 
I believe that to the core of my soul, which is why I like these guys so much. So more with Chris and Farmer Estate Brewery when the main ingredient returns. Farm boys from Nipua roll into the city and open and run two successful restaurants and now a brewery. Chris from Farmery is on the main ingredient today. He'll tell us how. Okay, so the second restaurant you opened, Luxaloon. Um, yeah, Luxaloon. Yeah, you guys carried a, a lot of different kinds of beers, right? Is, is that where the idea of creating your own beer came from? Like, I'm sure you probably had a few beers, yeah. you know, kind of hanging out, whatever, and maybe it dawned on you, maybe this is something we could do. Well, you know what? It was it was that same premise that we we really loved the the Osborne Street South neighborhood. It was um, <clears throat> we were uh, running out of room at Lux Lay. Um, we knew that there was a little bit of a night lounge atmosphere that was needed in that area for people to, to kind of walk up and and support. Mm-hmm. And uh, we saw the opportunity to expand that. Um, you know, we, we offer the same kind of fare, you know, domestic beers on tap, a little bit of imports like, you know, from Mexico and Corona and stuff. And it would quickly dawn on us is that we got to try something different or we're going to go broke. Mm-hmm. Is that um, if we're going to offer the same thing that every other restaurant in Winnipeg is going to be offering, not only food wise, but also the biggest thing that in the lounge is the, the cocktails, the beer, the spirits, is that there's no, there was, there would be no reason to, for them to come and support us, even though, even though it might be closer. So we wanted to definitely offer something a little bit more unique. And as soon as that door opened up, as far as like beers and it started out by import beers, I mean, there was virtually no craft beers back then. I mean, there was half pints Fort Gary. They were up and coming. Obviously everyone knew about Fort Gary and, and half pints, which we love to support. We support them right from day one. But other than that, outside Manitoba, there's no one really, there's Padiquit from Saskatchewan, there's Big Rock from Calgary. But we quickly realized that if we brought every skew in from MLCC, it was literally just about 100 different kinds of beers. And, and as soon as we opened up that Pandora's box of offering people options, people just asked for more. They asked for more imports, more beers from Africa, more beers from from uh, Europe, from from France, from the States. And we were literally making, um, you know, buying um, special um, import, or, or sorry, we're bringing in uh, special ordered beer from the East Coast, from the West Coast, from the Yukon Brewing Company. And we kind of felt as that that was our advantage, is that basically if you wanted to find an awesome beer, whether it be an import or a craft is that your destination was Lux Saloon because we made an, an effort to distinguish ourselves differently in the marketplace by doing it that way. For sure. And in Winnipeg, especially at that time, that was <clears> different, <throat> right? Because we didn't really have a lot of choices in a lot of things. Even when it came to like, remember back in the day, um, you'd see concerts for large artists all everywhere except for Winnipeg. And, you know, if you were going to get beer, you'd have the mainstream beer. But you, again, you didn't have a lot of the a lot of the choices. So we weren't used to that. So if you're opening a place and all of a sudden you have a wide variety of all these craft beers that you get when you go to other places, probably huge, right? Oh, it was a, it was a huge eye opener because you just felt you just saw that basically that whole market was under service in Winnipeg. And you saw people when we I remember distinctly, we had uh, a beer from Africa. And uh, it was a big bottle. I mean, no one in their right mind would, you know, unless you're a hardcore beer drinker, would finish the bottle by themselves. And we were, we were 
kind of promoting it with the serving staff to, to encourage people to share the bottle. And there was people that were just vacationing from Africa that said, you know, I love this beer. This is like the best beer. I'm, how did you guys get it? And it's just like, it's just different. I mean, like people remembered, remembered their, their vacations by having the beer that they had on vacation and they could have it at Lux Saloon. So there's a lot of, a lot of good connections, uh, bringing people together, enjoying something that wasn't normal in, in Winnipeg. And I, I think you're right is that Winnipeg and Manitoba is maybe a little bit behind, but you know, the people are progressive and were the desire to have what the big cities have like Vancouver and Montreal. I mean, we kind of, we kind of filled the void there and, it's it's actually really encouraging to see a lot more restaurants and lounges, you know, doing exactly what we did, you know, really 10, 12 years ago. And I think South Osborne, uh, Riverview, uh, Fort Rouge. I mean, that's just, I mean, there's this, every neighborhood is so unique in Winnipeg and uh, it's so close knit. A lot of people that came to either Luxley, Lux Saloon uh, as young adults really kind of grew up as, as kids and teenagers moved away and then came back to buy either their parents' home or bought a street uh, house down the street. Mm-hmm. So you can see that that um, it fulfilled the need to kind of come back to home, which was really unique in our development as, as far as the restaurants go, because we got to see a, at least a couple generations, either, either a generation and a half or two. <laughs> so is is really unique. Yeah, you guys picked the right neighborhood, that's for sure. The conversation to actually brew your own beer, how did that go? Well, I'll, I'll condense it down a little bit, but it was a trip down um, uh, t- with the Manitoba Ag Trade Mission down to Wisconsin. And we were, we were invited down there as farmers because at the time we were dabbling with Timothy Hay and, and uh, we got invited to go in and hopefully open up the market with Timothy Hay down to Wisconsin, which was a big dairy uh, estate. Um, but you know, our future wasn't in egg. It was more with the, with the lounge and Lux saloon and, and, uh, and stuff. So it was, it was sold to us that do you want, you should come down anyway, because there's lots of craft beers and, and, uh, breweries. We'll, we'll, you guys will introduce you to a bunch of breweries down there. And honestly, from a lounge that, you know, we had all the domestic beers at that time, we only carried, you know, the, the top selling, you know, local brands and, and it's an eye opener to, to experience the state of the you know the city of madison which is a college town and uh, so the students don't really have a lot of money so to speak but you know every pub in downtown madison that we went to there was literally 199 beers at this one lounge that every beer was from wisconsin and this is this is like blowing us away and we owned a pub in winnipeg <laughs> and that was our first experience is that what what are they experiencing down here in a college town that we have no clue of what's happening up here because back then we just thought american beer was really you know three percent four percent you know water yeah and that was the biggest eye-opener is that they were way ahead of the curve and the whole trip back from that that trade mission was us trying to put our our unique stamp on the craft beer scene when we got back to Manitoba. And it's been that that kind of um you know journey for us to to develop the farm, develop the hop yard, develop the, the grain, build the brewery and add value to to the crops that we grow, make the best craft beer that we can make and be proud to stand behind it. And I think that we've done that. Going to take a break to keep you updated on sports, news, and weather, and come back to talk more about Farmery Brewery on the main ingredient. Never forget. Never forget.
Welcome back to The Main Ingredient. I'm Kevin Bergen. Farmery Brewery is what we are talking about today, and when I was talking to Chris from Farmery, I simply didn't have enough time for all the questions I wanted to ask. Man, there's so many questions I, w- I would ask you. Like, we don't even have close to enough time. Uh, so let's jump to... <laughs> seriously, we, we don't. Uh, let, let, let's, let's jump to your appearance on Dragon's Den, where you guys were asking for... And that was your second appearance for $200,000. And, and you know, you, you got it from two dragons. That money, you were basically looking to help you start building the brewery? Or what was the main goal of going on that show? Do you know, when we went on to Dragon's Den for the second time to uh, to raise money. I mean, we were, we were, it was clear that we didn't have the capital to, to invest in a, in our, the brewery of our own. So at the time we were co-brewing with um, Muskoka breweries in Ontario and they, we were shipping them our barley and they were making the beer from us. So we were, we were focused on, on establishing our, our farm and focusing our energies on the marketability, marketed, marketing our brand. And so really it was a unique a unique environment because we didn't have to worry about brewing the beer. Mm-hmm. And and what that allowed us to do is really focus on maybe truly one of the key important things, which is marketing the beer. Right. Um, we went on the Dragon's Den to really take advantage of this national exposure that we would have got if we, whether we made a deal or, or didn't make the deal. And um, I mean, I, I have a little bit of pride, but do you know what? It's like uh, we were called, uh, you know, some negative things by Kevin O'Leary the first time we were on the show, and it uh, didn't really bother us. I think once and I, when we went on the show, we were so confident in what our vision was with Farmery State Brewery that it didn't matter if if everyone was on board or if anyone if everyone wasn't. It's just like we were we were true to our values of being. Uh, you know, raised on a family farm, and we understood the impact if we invested in rural Manitoba. We knew that the customers in the prairies of Canada would 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 it, our plan would resonate with a lot of people, mm-hmm. and we had a lot of support already because we had our brand in the marketplace. And the the reality is that we did make a deal on Dragons Den, but we never did take any of their money, and we we wanted to own the company ourselves. We wanted a full direction in the direction that we wanted to, to pursue our brand. And um, it was about making the best beer possible with the ingredients that we grow on our farm. And, you know, um, you know, sitting in the brewery today when it's like minus 25 outside and the, the brewery is, is uh, busy brewing beer and we're packaging beer and we're, we're pelletizing our hops and we're, we're packaging, you know, it's just, it's just, such a good feeling to know what we're what impact we're doing in rural manitoba it's it's uh it's just you know you got to give your head uh, a good shake sometimes to, <laughs> to realize if it's real or not for sure that must be super gratifying like is the vision you had in your head and reality right now where you are now how close are they did you imagine it being like it is now well the dream the dream is what we're doing right now and but did I know that the dream could be a reality? I mean, I mean, there's hope, right? And you're working towards that goal. For sure. And, and uh, you know, just to, to know how close it came from not happening, because there's so many elements that aren't in your control. I, and I do believe that, um, that between my brother Lawrence and I, sticking to it, staying true to our values, having the support of our customer base, having the support of other of our other brothers and our families and and the 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 fan support. I mean, the people that would come up to us in the liquor store and say, Hey, I recognize you from Dragon's Den. I love your beer. I love what you're doing. You know, 
you know, what, you know, are you guys open at the brewery yet? <laughs> yeah, that's awesome, man. Eh? And cool. so, yeah, it's been quite the journey. And, you know, it's been, it's, as far as like the, the, what we're experiencing now, it's, it's better than the dream. Honestly, I have to say that it's like, um, it's everything and more than what we ever envisioned it to be. How many people can say that? Seriously. Do you ever look back and think all the work that you did? How could we have done all that work? You know what I mean? Like sometimes when, when I look at my family and the kids and raising the kids and all that kind of stuff and all the things you did to get them through certain things or you get certain positions in life work-wise and it's like, oh, I can't believe all that work that I did. Like if you could do, if you had to do it again, you would kind of question, could I actually physically do that again? Uh, do you know Probably the only thing that, and I think Lawrence would agree with this, is that um, the only thing that we would probably question ourselves and maybe be a little bit more cautionary is the invested the investment of, of money and time and work it took to actually build a hop yard. And, you know, we came from a farm that, uh, you know, we, we grew cereal crops. We grew, you know, canola and, and, and sunflowers and wheat and barley and stuff. As far as hops, there is no commercial hop yard in Manitoba that, that we could, you know, really, you know, you know, um, compare ourselves that basically this is what we wanted to pursue. Um, you know, as far as like uh, an industry in Manitoba is for hops, growing hops. I mean, it's easier. It's, it's even today, it's easier for us to pick up the phone and order and buy hops from Washington than it is for us to grow. And I think that's, that's the reality of, of uh, doing something when there's, there's no industry in your locality to kind of draw from that experience. And I think that um, looking back, I mean, I mean, I'm glad that we did it now because it's so unique. We have over 20 acres of hops. I mean, there's lots of, of hop farms, whatever in Michigan and Ontario that are less than five, less than one. And that's a huge feat. Mm-hmm. But to have an estate brewery that has a functioning, full functioning barley, farm cereal farm and a fully functional hop yard and a brewery it's you know the only missing component is uh malt house and you know that's kind of like the final steps for us is to really pursue malting our own grain so we can have that complete circle of adding value to everything that we grow on the farm here wow okay let's you know we've been talking about um building of the brand building of the brewery let's talk about the beer you know, sure. you, you guys have your, your signature, <laughs> but by the time we get to the beer, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> you guys have your, your signature lineup. Like how did it, how was it deciding what kind of beer you had made? You guys had a restaurant where you had many different kinds of <clears throat> beers. So obviously you guys were well ver- versed in beers over the years. So how hard was it for you to actually focus well, and get down to your you lineup? Know, it was, you know, having at the height of Lux Saloon, we had over 140 beers. Uh, and you name it, from lagers and ales to IPAs to stouts to porters to doppelbox, you name it, we had it all. And from every corner of the of the, the globe, too. Um, that was our, our perfect kind of um, um, focus group to really kind of hone in on what was our brands going to be because we needed the brands to pay off on day one. Right. And that's why we chose an easy-drinking uh, lager, and the next came out with an easy drinking sessionable ale, which is our Canadian blonde pale ale. Mm-hmm. And, you know, every brand after that, it kind of resonates with uh, the desire to add value to the ingredients that we grow. So we are, we are limited to the kinds of beers that we make because we can't grow all the ingredients here. So, um, I mean, our most popular brand has been our pink lemon ale this past summer, and we launched it pretty much a year ago this month. 
in the depths of winter and we launched a, a summer beverage. And I think part of the success was that it was, um, uh, that it was, you know, resonated with our core values of adding value to what we grew. And it didn't need to be an IPA, uh, you know, on high IBU craft beer style. It, it, you know, we want to resonate with the, with the masses and, and we want to continue to do that. One more segment to get as much information out of Chris from Farmery as I can. Nowhere near long enough of these guys have a long working history to get where they are today. These guys are hustlers, man, and I love it. More about Farmery after the break. Welcome to the final segment of today's main ingredient. Before I continue my conversation with Chris from Farmery, I want to remind everyone that Fried Chicken Fest starts January 21st, which is this weekend. And it's the ultimate competition to find the best fried chicken in the city, and I love week-long festivals that involve local restaurants. The reason being, it gets people out to discover great local restaurants that they may not have tried before, so it's a win for everybody. So that said, here are the restaurants that are participating. The Oak and Grain, Promenade Cafe and Wine, The Era Bistro, Tallest Poppy, Little Goat Food and Drink, I love that name. Blaze Restaurant and Lounge, which is in the Delta Hotel downtown. Underdogs, Have a Nice Day, Winnipeg. The Merchant Kitchen, Summit Cafe, La Carnita, Q Grill, and Santa Lucia Pizza, Winnipeg. Now back to my interview with Chris from Farmery talking about the other products they make on top of beer. The Hard Iced Tea. Uh, is, is that a is that a new addition, or have you guys always had your, your Hard Iced Tea? Uh, Gil, we launched the Hard Iced Tea last spring. And uh, it was supposed to be launched at the same time as our pink lemon ale. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, we just didn't have the right uh, recipe down that we could really, you know, latch onto and, and stand behind. So it took a few more months to kind of finalize that. But, you know, the pink lemon ale is our number one brand. The iced tea is a close second, followed by our lager. So, you know, when, you, when you're talking about a craft brewery to have their number one, number two brands, uh, not an IPA, that kind of indicate gives you an indication is that, you know, who is out there drinking craft brands and it doesn't necessarily have to be a stout or a porter or an IPA. And I think that our experience with having Lux Loon to knowing the, that, that segment of customer base, it, that is the reality is that, you know, uh, there might be one or two out of a hundred that are drinking IPA and there's clearly more that enjoy a sessionable summer beverage. And again, you guys were in the restaurant industry, so you know what people are drinking. You're selling it, and you know it sells. So you kind of give the people what they want, right? Well, I think I think it's it was still like a um, you know trial by by error too, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously we want to we want to stay true to our, our values, but it's really going to be the marketplace that dictates uh, what becomes successful and what doesn't. Right. Uh, the irony is that uh, you know after almost seven years. Uh, or six years, you know, in the beer business, we launched our very first IPA and the IPA is, is really what really pushed craft beer to, to the success that it has been all over North America. And we just launched our IPA this past week. So we're, we're excited to be part of the entire craft beer package, but, you know, I think that what's, what's probably going to be truer, uh, for us is that, uh, you know, what we produce here is, is going to be, you know, from the foundations of what our values are. And that's basically adding value to the crops that we grow locally. 
And that's why it resonates so well with Love Local is that it's a true testament to that. We don't need to ship our barley raw out of the province and buy it back from somebody else. We can add value to it quite, you know, here ourselves and, and export a finished product. That's what our, 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 you know, the bigger goal beyond making great beer is, is to actually export it. Bring that retail value back to, you know, and, and invest it back in rural Manitoba. Right. You know, you brought up the Love Local event that's coming up March 3rd at the Victorian. Um, is this your first time doing it or have you guys gone, have you guys participated before? No. Yeah, no, we've been, we've had the fortune, fortunate uh, thing to be part of it right from day one. Oh, and we be. loved the aspect of it. And, you know, again, it stays true to what our, our core beliefs are. And that is be proud of where you are and, and, and present that in a way that the public can have easy access to it. And there is a customer in Manitoba that wants to support something local. Okay. You know, in wrapping up, let's, uh, let's give people some basic information about farmery. Like you guys do brewery tours, right? Yeah, we do brewery tours almost every day in the summertime. We have multiple tours going throughout the, the day and on the weekends. Um, you know, it is a destination. It's a working brewery, but we, we give access to the public um, we have a, a food truck here, so there's you can have a beer, you can have some food, you can get to know how we make our, our beverages. Uh, we just got our spirit license, so we're going to be experimenting with some pretty cool spirits. And there's a reason why, you know, we grew some rye a couple years ago. That's awesome. <laughs> and you can't make good whiskey without rye. So, you know, there's lots of cool stuff that's happening at, at uh, Farmery in Nipah. And, you know, we're a functioning farm, so, you know, as the season goes from uh, the four seasons, there's there's always something happening here. So, you know, we encourage people to come out and take the tour. It's not that far away. Strange, you guys have a good mix of um, small town um, home style ethics, but big city motivation. You know what I mean? Like, it seems like you're always evolving. What you guys are doing, you're always evolving at a great pace and always looking for new things to do. And, and I, I think a lot of people are really receptive to that. I think so. And I think that what resonates just to kind of, you know, um, put that in the phrase, I mean, David Suzuki has a great slogan that said, act locally, think globally. And that means that basically you have the power to, to, you know, to support your neighbors and your neighborhood and your locality. But you also have the, if you, if you have the vision, you can do things that affect the globe. Right. And it's no different than us. Uh, we would love to have our state product, uh, you know, outside Manitoba, no different than we have a state wines available in Manitoba. Manitoba does not grow grapes, and yet we have lots of choice for, for vineyards and estate wineries, and that should be no different than something from Manitoba. We don't want to be the only state brewery. We want to encourage other people to, to have uh, add value to their crops. And But, you know, we're proud of where, where we got, uh, where we are now. I really appreciate you coming on the show. I will see you on March 3rd. And um, I told Jason, you know, hopefully you guys don't mind me coming down there for, for a tour and doing a main ingredient episode and having a group interview with you guys, if you don't mind. Oh, God, Kevin, you can come down anytime. And do you, if you give us a little bit of heads up, um, we'll make sure that something special happening that they either were brewing or canning or kegging or, or um, you know, you know, even like today, we, we actually bought a pelletizer, so we're processing our hops pelletizing them um you know there's lots of stuff going on and you know if you give us a heads up kevin we'll make sure something's really interesting and unique to, to kind of you know give your viewers uh, a real sense of what we're doing here that'll be awesome thanks man i appreciate it okay all right we'll okay talk. well thanks kevin okay we'll talk soon 
That was Chris from Farmery Brewery. What a great guy. Their website is farmery.ca. They do tours, they sell farmery gear, and they also do fundraising programs for socials and fundraising events. So here's how it works. You buy their beer, which earns you farmery bucks, which you can use to buy stuff from their store for prizes, like a beer fridge or a hat or a t-shirt or whatever they sell. So beer and gear. I think it's another win-win. Thanks for tuning into the main ingredient this week. So I'll be back next week with another episode here on 680 CJOB. This is 680 CJOB.